Good morning, City Lift Church, and welcome to Church at Home. My name is Alyssa, and I'm so glad that you chose to join us this morning. We have a great message for you on hope. I have some announcements for you this morning. Zoom groups are still going on. They're happening all throughout the week. You can find the information on our website. If you would like to give your tithes and offering this morning, you can do that also on our website, citylift.church forward slash give. You can also download our app. Just go to the app store on your phone and search Church Center app. And once you download it, just search our church, City Lift Church, and on there you can give, you can get connected with the Zoom groups and events. And if you're new here, we would love to connect with you. Just go to our website, click on the New Here tab, fill out the form, and we'll be in contact with you soon. So now, here's our message. Good morning, City Lift family. Welcome to another Church at Home edition. This morning, I have entitled today's message as A Hope to Come. Hope has been hit hard in 2020. Yet as believers, we don't live our lives without hope. A few days ago, I had a really bad dream. I don't get a lot of bad dreams, but man, this one was a bad dream. And in my dream, I was with my daughter at a pond and I was on one side of the pond and she was on the other side of this pond. And she slipped and she fell into the water and she starts yelling and she's trying to swim, but she doesn't know how to swim yet. And first of all, I would never leave my daughter on the other side of a pond. So you know how dreams always have that weird effect to them. And I, I started running toward her and I ran as fast as I could, jumped into the water, swam as fast as I could trying to reach her. And she's shouting for me and trying to stay above water. In the last moments, right before she goes down, I'm able to, to grab her and rescue her. And it was such a traumatic thing that in that moment when I, I grabbed her, to, to bring her up out of the water, I woke up and my arms were actually going around physically. Like I woke up with my arms around my chest and I was like, <sighs> you know, if you've ever had a bad dream and you're waking up those first few seconds, it feels so real. It's, it's almost traumatizing, right? And, and that's why I wake up and I'm like, <sighs> and breathing. And then I realize after a couple seconds, it was only a dream. I really believe with all of my heart after 10,000 years of us worshiping Jesus, living in our mansions, loving and caring for each other, we're gonna look back at our short time on life and be like, that felt like a bad dream. That felt like a bad dream. Romans 8, 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Paul's saying all the things that I go through, all the sin that we face on the earth, all of the hate and the abuse and the hard times, Comparing that to the glory that is to come, it's not even comparable. I think sometimes when we're going through a hard time and a challenging season, it's good to come up and get some perspective. A few years ago, I was diving and, and the, the waves were pretty strong, so it stirred up the bottom of the ocean. It was hard to see the reef. It was hard to get an idea of, of how to navigate where the boat was at. There were jellyfish all around. I got stung by a jellyfish. So now I'm in pain. I don't know where to navigate. Things are hard to see. I can't quite see the reef very well. And a buddy and I were like, hey, we need to, we need to surface and get some perspective and see where the boat is at. So we got up. And as we came up, we had to, you know, get through more jellyfish. And I almost got a jellyfish right in the face. I, I've never moved so fast in my life. We finally got to the surface of the ocean. We looked around, saw our boat, reset our course, reset our compasses, and we got perspective and we could see where we needed to go. I think right now what we need to do as a church is come up and get some perspective and realize that we are going to be in eternity with Christ. 
and this present evil world is passing away. And there is still a reason for us as followers of Jesus to have hope. And this morning, I want to just mention a few reasons why I believe you can go through this year with some hope. And it's not me trying to brush through everything that's going on right now because everything we're facing is important and needs we, we need to fight injustice, we need to bring equality. Everything we're talking about needs to come to pass. It's just as we do this, I, I don't want you to be angry without hope. I want you to be angry and have hope. I, I don't want you to grieve without hope. I want you to grieve and have hope. Everything as believers we get to do with hope. Here are some reasons why this morning. Number one, I can have hope in 2020 because God is the God of hope. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you might overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. For us as followers of Christ, hope is not an emotion. It's a byproduct of being with Jesus. It's a byproduct. He is the God of hope. And when I'm with God, hope rubs off on my soul. Have you ever been around a contagious person? And I'm not talking about, you know, coronavirus contagious. I'm talking about a truly infectious person that the moment you get around them, you just want to be like them. They, they just laugh a lot. They're so full of joy. They're so charismatic. They just, their personality rubs off on you and you just begin to catch it. You know, a person I think of is Marvin right now, and he runs our sound. He's got one of the most infectious smiles I've ever seen. He's just got this big, beautiful smile. And every time I'm around him, I try to make him laugh because I want to see his smile. And his, his laugh is infectious. His joy is infectious. His smile is just something you want to be around. It just gets on you. That's how God is with hope. When we hang around Jesus, hope is going to begin to infect our souls. And, you know, I don't know about you, but right now, yeah, hope has been hit hard. There's not many places I can look to right now for hope. And so I want to remind everybody, now is the time to worship. Now's the time to turn off Netflix and worship for an hour. Now's the time to re-engage your prayer life. Now's the time to read the word just as much as you watch the news. Otherwise, you're going to be a hopeless Christian when God has a plan for you to be a hope-filled Christian right now. And so he's the God of hope, and it's transferable. It's catchable. You know, as a church, we're always going to stay on on the side of hope. We're always going to stay on the side of love. And we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we love our broken world. And we don't look at the world as ones that would look at the world without hope. We, We have a hope in Jesus Christ, and even though the world is broken, we, we believe that God can still do something. We're even such a radical church that we love our enemies. We pray for our enemies. I mean, come on, guys. We're the kind of church. We're going to pray for the racist. We, we're going to ask God to bring down the blinders and soften their hearts and, and break up all that nasty ground And because we believe that God can change hearts and lives. I was on the phone this week with a pastor from Atlanta, and he's a part of a group, and it's all about unity and, and biblical diversity and, and bringing oneness together and people. And there's a guy on there that's one of the leaders, and, and he was an ex-neo-Nazi, white supremacist, hated everybody else. Now he's a pastor with a diverse church leading in this organization, bringing unity. Come on, that is the power of our Jesus. We are a church with not without hope, but with great hope in who Jesus is and what he can do. So 
Why should we have hope in 2020? Number one, he's the God of hope. Number two, why should we have hope right now? Reconciliation will happen. I love this. After this, I look. This is John talking. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were all wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. And they're just praising Jesus. Reconciliation will happen. It is going to happen in heaven. I think it's good for us all to remind ourselves right now that we need to start with the end in mind, that we get to fight this fight and we know the battle is already fixed, the battle is already won, we are gonna spend eternity reconciled. And so yes, we're gonna fight and we're gonna fight on, but we know that Jesus has already won the war. He's already won the ultimate victory. Reconciliation will happen under heaven and under the rule of Jesus. A day is coming and there will no longer be any more systematic racism, but we're all just gonna be under the salvation of Jesus. There's gonna be no more white privilege. We're just all gonna be enjoying the privilege of Jesus. He's gonna wipe away every tear. He's gonna heal every sorrow, and we're all just gonna be living in joy in his presence. This is our great hope, that reconciliation will happen. So as we fight for it down here, just know that it's already finished up there. Come on, as we fight for it down here, it is already finished up there. In my heart, sometimes I just have to remind myself that we are, the Bible calls us travelers and aliens and sojourners. Sometimes it's good for us to remind ourselves that, man, this isn't my home. This isn't my final destination. I am a traveler and I am going through this thing. I I am not a physical person having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a physical experience. There's a lot of things in this life that don't line up to what we feel on the inside of our hearts. And when you look at racism, you're like, I don't get it. It's painful. It's evil. I, I don't understand the darkness. And that's because you and I belong to Christ. We don't get it. We don't understand it. We don't want to live underneath it. And so, so yeah, we're going through this thing. But in our home, there's perfect equality. In our home, there's perfect love. In our home, there's perfect salvation. We're, we're all before Jesus. So we're traveling through, but this isn't our home. We don't belong to this thing called the earth. We belong to heaven. We're citizens of heaven. Where reconciliation will happen. Number three, justice will happen. Justice is going to take place. God is a God of mercy, and He's a God of justice. For the believer, earth is the most hell you will ever experience. And for the unbeliever, unfortunately, this is the most heaven they will ever experience. The earth is the middle ground. This morning, listen, I want you to hear this. God is a God of justice. He will make everything right. He will make everything right. Sometimes he doesn't always square away next week, but he will always square everything up. And for eternity, we will live in perfect wholeness and in perfect justice because he is a God of justice. You know, he gives people an opportunity to repent. You know, and why do bad things happen? Well, number one, I mean, why does racism exist? It does that God wants it, but the human heart is wicked. It's full of pride. It's full of sin. We're spiritually dead. 
And that's not, you know, I think for so long the church has talked about grace and we've done cute messages. We forgot to tell people he is a God of justice and sin is real and it is evil. It breaks the heart of God and it hurts people. And so that's why we're against sin because it's breaking God's law of love and it's hurting people. What does God say? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. All sin is ultimately breaking one of those two commandments. And so that's why we're against sin. We know that it destroys people. In fact, when sin is full birth, what does it do? It gives birth to death. That's why we stand against it. But God is a God of justice. He's going to bring justice one day. And that's something we want to get behind. It's something we want to celebrate. It's something we know is going to happen. And we're going to fight for it. But in heaven, we know the battle is already won. It's already done. He's going to make it right. Listen, you can't hate your brother and love God. The Bible tells us that, right? God is giving people who are racist an opportunity to repent. And if they don't, they're not going to heaven. That is justice. We can get behind that because that's who God is. He's love. Man, love is jealous. Love will fight for you. Love will go after it. Love will defend. And we're behind that. We're into that because that's who our God is. Governments are going to let you down. God never will. Governments are going to let you down. God never will. You can have hope in who God is because he's a God of justice. The Holy Spirit is here and he's moving. Romans chapter 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Laws can change human behavior, but only the Holy Spirit can change the human heart, right? I mean, you can make a law and make racism illegal, but only the Holy Spirit can destroy the hate in someone's heart and give birth to love. I am so moved by the story of John Newton. John Newton was the man who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace, one of the most sung, most loved hymns of all time in all of Christianity. And, and John Newton was actually an Anglican priest in England in 1773. But before he became a priest, he was actually a slave trader in the transatlantic slave trade. And when he wrote that line that saved a wretch like me, he was talking about who he was and the work that he did in trading slaves. He realized, I am an evil, wicked wretch in this amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. You know, the power of the Holy Spirit changed John's heart as he gave his life to Christ. And John Newton actually became a mentor to a man named William Wilberforce, who was the lead cause of why the British slave trade ended. God did something in John Newton, and then the Holy Spirit did something through John Newton. As we go through 2020, I don't want us to lose sight that the Holy Spirit of God is on the earth right now, and He is working. And if He can take John Newton, an ex-slave trader, and transform him, and then use him to mentor the guy to end the slave trade and write one of Christianity's most beautiful hymns ever, what does God want to do in you this morning, and what does He want to do through you? And I never want to negate the power of the Holy Spirit to change a human heart. God can take the worst of us 
and, and he can do something beautiful. This is what grace is about, is we're dealing with all the sin of 2020. I mean, this is slamming right into God's heart, right in the middle of what the power of grace can do. And I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to change the human heart. And right now, man, just use this as an opportunity. What does God want to do in me? What does God want to do through me right now? Open up to the power of the Holy Spirit to change your heart. You'll be amazed at what God wants to do in you and what he wants to do through you. And the last one, Jesus is our healer. He is our healer. Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He has put his hand on me to preach the good news to poor people. He sent me to heal those with a sad heart. He sent me to tell those who are being held that they can go free. He has sent me to make the blind to see and to free those who are held because of trouble. Today, if trouble is holding you hostage, Jesus is here to set you free. He is the healer of our hearts. Today, if you can't take it anymore, if you can't watch another news article, see another video, I want you to know Jesus can take it. In fact, the very reason he came was to destroy the works of the devil and to destroy the power of sin over our lives. And I think sometimes sin just gets to be so much as you look at it and watch it and play out throughout the world. It's so messy, but yet the grace of Jesus is so clean. The power of Jesus is so bold. The cross is so radical. You know, the cross, and I, I love the cross, and I never, ever want to move away from it in any way, because the cross for me says what Jesus has done for me is always greater than what people do to me. What Jesus has done for me is always greater than what people do to me. The opinion of Jesus over my life is always greater than the opinion of other people. I think sometimes you can just as easily get lost in the opinions of other. What is Jesus saying about you right now? Who does Jesus say you are? What does he say over your life? Let that opinion always mean more to you in your heart. So yes, people are cruel, but the cross, it is kindness. Yes, people are racist. And unfortunately, as long as we have sin on the earth, we're going to have racism on the earth. So people are racist, but the cross it's acceptance, it's equality, it's, it's everyone under the foot of Jesus, perfectly equal, all people in need of a savior. And yes, people lust, but the cross, man, it's ultimate love. And, and yes, people create unjust systems, but the cross, it is salvation for all. Jesus is greater and he is the healer of our hearts. This morning, if you have a broken heart, Jesus has the power to heal your heart. And it's a simple reach out to Jesus right now. Lord, I can't do this on my own. I can't take the weight of sin anymore. I can't take that hate anymore. I need your love. I need your healing. I need you to heal my heart. It is for this very reason, guys, that he came. As I close, I want to remind everybody that our church, we exist so people can know Jesus. That's why we exist, to make a healthy disciple. We want people to know God, fall in love with God, grow in God. That's what we're always about. In Acts chapter 6, you, you see the church growing. The apostles are preaching the word of God. The, the church is getting built. And then you've got this moment where you've got people giving more food to the Jewish widows than they were to the, the Greek widows. And people cried out, the church cried out and said, hey, this is unjust, this is unfair. And the apostles, they stopped. They put good leaders over it, and they said, we're going to address this to make sure that everyone feels like they're being treated fairly. What we've done as a church the last few weeks is we have paused everything. 
And we said, wait a minute, we're going to talk about this injustice. We're going to listen to this pain. We're going to say what's right. We're going to make our stance known. I, I want every single person in our church to know that their life matters, that they're loved, that they're valuable to us, that we care. I don't want a single black person in our church to be like, I don't know where my church stands. I don't know where my pastor stands. I want to make that very, very clear. And as we go forward, as we continue to preach the gospel, next week is Father's Day. I'm excited to talk about it. I got Pastor Martin and Sean joining us. We're going to talk about sonship and manhood and fatherhood. It's going to be beautiful. We're going to talk God's heart and all of that. But we wanted to pause and we wanted to make sure that everybody knew where we're at. We're going to keep doing what we can on a social level. We'll do what we can, you know, through petitions and different things as we go forward because we're on the long haul for this. And the most, probably one of the most important things, we're going to keep the conversation open. We're going to keep the loving conversation open because I know conversation is a starter for change. And we're going to be a church that's going to be part of this solution. We're going to be a part of this conversation. I want you to know that. And, and so we pause. We haven't changed our mission, but we pause to deal with it and address it. And as a church, I think it's so important for us, guys. We want to be a, a micro heaven as best we can. We know we're not going to be perfect, but man, we can be healthy. My family, it's not perfect. My marriage, it's not perfect, but we are healthy. It is full of love. And as a church, we know we're not perfect, but man, we're going to be healthy. And health is hard, but we're going to work toward it. We're going to go for it. We're going to grind for it because God's heart is in that. And if you ever want to know where God's heart is at, it's always with the hurting and always with the broken. As I wind down today, if you do not know Jesus, today Jesus loves you. He can forgive the big sins, the little sins. Today, God, He doesn't hate you. He's not mad at you. He sent Jesus to the cross just for you. If you were the only one to make a mistake, He would have done it just for you. This morning, if you want to know Him, would you just join me in this prayer? I want to invite you to say this prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. God, be my Father. I want a relationship with you. Man, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, would you jump on our website, let us know, citylift.church, and we would just love to hear from you, help you make your steps. Again, guys, next week is Father's Day. So excited for that as I join Pastor Martin and Sean, and we talk all things fatherhood, sonship, and manhood. It's going to be a great conversation. And so would you join us next week as we celebrate fathers. Church family, have an amazing week.